God lay in your heart, please come down, speak to Nathan and myself, and you can use the mic and say it. Something I will say, if you've got a contribution, but you're terrified of standing up here with a microphone, come and speak to us, and we, are, we can say what you want to. So don't be put off if you're scared of the microphone. The children will go down at about quarter to 11. If you're new, follow the other children. They go out that door over there. As I was preparing this morning, God's uh, thinking about it over the week. God's been speaking to me. And maybe you've come here this morning, like many, you've, you've dashed out, um, you might have overslept, the porridge burnt, you were up at six o'clock or five o'clock or all night with your children and you're shattered and getting here and being relaxed is the last thing. You, it, it's good that you managed to get here and maybe even on time. So maybe that's how you got here. And what is your expectation, if any? What's your expectation this morning? When you saw me up here, maybe your expectation was to see some juggling. But Oh, thank you, Carol. <laughs> but I haven't got the juggling balls. Well, I did remember one, but I couldn't really do it. Or if I'm here, your expectation might have been that I'll say a joke or two. Because sometimes I do. But what are your expectations this morning? In 1 Peter 1.3, it says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. So may your expectation now, as you just sit, be a bit quiet, be to hear from God. Maybe you've got healing. Maybe there's stuff going on in your life, your family's life, your friend's life, your, your neighbour's lives that you really want an answer to. Be expectant now. Be expectant. God is here. Be expectant and to see what he can do for you. And in closing, before I pray, an unusual thing came to me. I quite like sport, especially football and rugby. And I can get quite uh, worked up about it, should I say, <laughs> vociferous. When I played, my colleagues, particularly rugby, had to calm me down. In those days, they, just Roger, keep, keep calm. I'm the person who shouts at the telly, like, breath, do you really? So we can be quite vociferous. And I think for some of you, for some of us this morning, sorry, for some of us this morning, that would be a good thing to be vociferous in God's presence, to praise God, to worship him, to let ourselves go a bit. And maybe that's something you'd like to do. So feel free to praise God this morning. Can we pray? God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for bringing each one of us here. I pray for each one of us that we may be expectant of you this morning. We may know your presence here amongst us. Work within us, Lord. Speak to us. Just pray that the presence of God will come upon this place. And each, each one of us may meet with God this morning. Thank you. Amen. So I'm Christine, for those of you who don't know me, and I'm part of the worship team here. And uh, we're going to start by praising God in song. So if you can stand, then please do. Feel free to be very loud as Roger has said, 
And we're going to sing, My Saviour, Redeemer, He Lifted Us from the Miry Clay. described himself as the light of the world and our next song we're going to think of him being like a lighthouse guiding us and keeping us safe
Jesus, that you take care of us, that you died so that we could know you, so that we could follow you, so that we could know your protection. Thank you for that.
thank you, Jesus, that you gave us freedom. Thank you that you broke the chains that hold us captive. Thank you. Now it's time to set our children free to go to their own groups. Father, bless all those who are leaving us now to go to different groups. Touch them, Lord. May they know your presence. May they learn of you. Bless them, we pray.
house song, I was watching Sue's actions. Um, now, because it's fa it's fascinating, and, and the, 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 the line that um, he'll lead us safe to shore, and I sort of I hadn't really thought about it, but I assume it's like if you grab. I'm not technical with boats, okay? But if you grab a boat and you pull it to shore and then you leave someone there, right? I've got you here, right? I'm off. But Sue's actions, safe to shore, she was had both her hands together, drawing into herself. Yes, like if you watched, like drawing. And I just thought, that's what God does. He draws you to shore, but to him. And he's not going to leave you and say, right, I've done my bit, now off you go. He draws you into him, safe to shore. That's great. I was just reminded as we sing those songs as well, that line of with love in his eyes. And I was just reminded of just that moment of uh, seeing my wife walk down the aisle towards me and seeing the love in her eyes. And I feel like God would want to speak to us as well. It's that safe to shore. He wants to draw us close, but he also wants you to look and us to look into his eyes. Look into his eyes of love. His fierce eyes of love for you. His passionate eyes of love for you. Unwavering. Always faithful. Eyes of love. God, we just come before you this morning. And we thank you, Lord God, that you don't just uh, drag us into shore and leave us there, but you draw us right into yourself with eyes of love, with deep, passionate eyes of love. Lord, we want to respond to you this morning and say, God, we're, we're running to you. We're running into your arms this morning, Lord God. We want to run into your arms of love. I will build my life upon your love. It is a sure foundation. It's a firm foundation. God, we run towards you this morning. Holy, there is no one like you. There is no one like you. my life. And I will build my life. 
I'm not quite sure how to start this, but I just, I've been at the back and I've been wondering, it just feels like not a flatness to our worship, but a flatness to our lives, to our to our relationship with God even. And, and I just felt that God wanted to remind us that it's he is the one that cleanses us. He is the one that washes us white as snow. Just like Nathan was saying about Jules, the bride. Yeah, bride's normally in white, but that sense of we, the church, are the bride of Christ. And he has done the work in us and for us. It's not us preparing ourselves and, and getting everything right in our own lives before we come before him, but it's actually accepting what he has done for us, that he paid the penalty on the cross, that his sacrifice means that our sins are washed away. And so we come this morning, not in our own strength or our own abilities or what we've done in this last week, but we come in our relationship with him. Debt paid. Yeah, so I just want to encourage you as we continue to worship, we are in his presence. He is with us. His spirit is poured out upon us. We are his children, his people. And we can delight in him just as he delights over us. So you know, let's just continue to remember that he loves us so, so much. And he delights in our worship this morning. So let's just draw near. Delight in him this morning. It doesn't matter what the week has been like. Delight in him this morning. He's here moving in our midst. He is the way maker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper, the light in the darkness. If you're able to stand, let's sing now. You are here.
you, Ben, very much. Thank you. And thank you, PA, and thank you, Songpro, this morning. I hand over to Graham. Good morning, everyone. My <laughs> Come on, everyone could do that. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> I'm going home now, this is great. Um, last week, the amazing Nikki Gallagher uh, encouraged us to see hope in the despair of the recent earthquakes. I would like to follow up on that this morning by leading us in praying for the people of Turkey and Syria. According to Reuters yesterday, more than 46,000 people have so far been killed in the earthquake that struck Turkey and Syria, and that toll is expected to rise. With some 345,000 apartments in Turkey alone now known to have been destroyed, and many are still missing. As Turkey attempts to manage its worst modern disaster, concerns are growing over the victims of the tragedy in Syria, with the World Food Programme pressing the authorities in the northwest to stop blocking access to the area as it seeks to help hundreds of thousands of people ravaged by the earthquakes. With all of that, it's very easy to feel overwhelmed, hard to know how to pray, but pray we must. And so as I lead us with some short prayers, I invite you to respond in your heart and to cry out to our Heavenly Father for mercy and help in this time of need. At the end of each prayer, I will say, God of all mercy, have mercy. After which, I invite all of you to respond with the words, Lord, have mercy. Got that? I know that sounds a bit Anglican, but come on, we can do it. God of all mercy, have mercy. Your response would be, Lord, have mercy. God of compassion, you who weep with those who weep, and mourn with those who mourn. Hear the countless cries rising to you from Turkey and Syria today. So many lives have been shattered, so many hearts broken, and we feel overwhelmed. But you are a mighty savior, so we ask you now to save. God of all mercy, have mercy. King of kings, we pray today in line with 1 Timothy 2.2 for the president Erdogan of Turkey and al-Assad of Syria that their governments will cut through bureaucracy, leading courageously and granting free access to the aid agencies seeking to serve on the ground. God of all mercy, have mercy. Prince of peace, in the chaos of this crisis, we cry out for divine connections and a spirit of cooperation instead of competition. Would you supernaturally streamline the important relationships between NGOs and suppliers, 
churches and other agencies for the sake of those who are suffering the most. God of all mercy, have mercy. And Holy Spirit, you who brooded over the formless void and created order, protect and provide for those who are grieving, those who are homeless, and those bringing emergency relief. I pray also for your church in these ancient Bible lands. Anoint your people at this time to bring good news to the poor and to bind up the brokenhearted. God of all mercy, have mercy. Thank you, Graham. It's really important, isn't it, just to hold on to what we know about God and how God can help people through any situation and just to cry out to the Lord. So continue to do that, please, this week and bring up people before you, bring up those countries and the people who are suffering before God each day this week. Good morning, everybody. Oh, I didn't get such a big good morning as Graham. <laughs> so... <laughs> so let's just ask the Lord just to open up his word for us today. Father God, as we come to your word, we pray that you would cause your word to be alive to us, Lord. We know it is a living word, Lord, but we pray that it would be alive to us this morning, Lord, that you would speak to each one of us through your word. Challenge us where we need challenge, Lord. Love us where we need to know we are loved. Help us, Lord, just to see who you are, Lord, so that we can worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, can we have the first slide off that one, please, Andy? Thank you. So, we're thinking about identity this morning. And we're talking about various things happening in terms of walking with God. And when we're walking with God, it's so important to understand what we mean by identity. Now, I put up two things there, our passports and driving license for those over 17 you know, those might be the first thing people think of when they think about identity. But when we look at who we are, and we look at individuals, we encounter really loads of questions. And sometimes they don't have very clear answers. Who are we? Who am I? Who are my family? Who are my friends? How do my friends influence me? Who do others who know me say or think I am? And I was just thinking, you know, is my identity the country I was born in? Well, yes, it is in some ways. Is it the generational group I belong to? I learned something this week that we're now actually in generation alpha rather than generation Z or Z. If you don't know what that means, don't worry about it, all right? I didn't know all about these different generational groups. But basically, it's the group that young people identify with in terms of seeing the culture and the world around them in a certain way because of their age and because of the way that society is developing. Is it the language I speak? Is it what makes me feel comfortable? Is it about my family? Is it about who I hang out with? Can I decide? Do I have a choice in my identity? If we do, that's fine. If we don't, then who decides who we are? Who decides who I am? Am I constantly changing my identity? Or is my identity 
unchanging. Is there a constant in my life that I can know and that I can depend upon? All these questions, and I'm going to try and give you a few answers, or at least point in the direction of, of thinking, considering things, to understand how God sees us. So there's a few photos of me up there. I didn't get any young ones for you. There's a few photos of me as well, pretty much my age now. Just, you know, these are things I thought, well, if people identify me, that's probably what they see. You know, there are some people who will see, you know, the football team I support, or that I enjoy going on a bike, or that I enjoy walking the dog, or gardening, reading the Bible. And that last photo there of three people together, in the middle there at the bottom, um, that was when I was a head teacher, and there in the middle there is the Archbishop of the Greek Orthodox Church in Britain. And so that gave me an identity in some ways, but it also meant I had to think about all the time when I was talking to certain people and when I was representing the church and representing the school, how I behaved. So my identity in one sense was actually controlled. But do these pictures tell you about my character? Whether I have any convictions? None apart from a speeding force, okay? Any hobbies? Any habits? Any obsessions? My health? The medication I take? My loves? My hates? My strengths? And my weaknesses? And that's all part of our identity, isn't it? It's part of who we are. And we're now living in a very fast-changing world. The way we see ourselves, the way we understand ourselves has changed dramatically over the last few years. But even before that, it was changing fast. You don't have to go back too far. If we go back to the First World War, Second World War, which really created huge change in our culture and also in the way people identify. Millions of people dying meant huge changes in the way that people believed, believed about God or their behavior. It meant that there were huge numbers of jobs for women, mainly due to the Second World War, and for them, often a change of status. But also for people, questions about suffering and death that perhaps they'd never really had to grapple with in such large numbers. And that change has been going on, continues to speed up. There have been huge changes in terms of independent living, choices that we have in life. You know, people used to just do the job that their parents did or, or, or that their uncle did. Now they have so many choices. And we live in a world now of advanced technology. Computers, mobile phones, bitcoins, the list is endless. The things that are changing all the time. And when we see those other things becoming important, maybe we see things that become less important. And having worked with, with youngsters for a long time, I've seen over the years how family has become less important to many of them. Less people are now having a relationship with God. You may have seen the, the data which came out from the last sentence about how many people believe in God, how many people go to church. God is being squeezed out in many cultures. And many people are now would say that God is no longer relevant. They may not say God doesn't exist because that's a big statement, isn't it, to decide that. But maybe they just say, if God is there, he's no longer relevant to me. So it's not surprising that we all become a bit confused and really find it difficult to know what to understand who we are and how to make choices, the right choices in our lives. And God just gave me this image of a child going into a massive sweet shop 
with money in his pocket to spend, or her pocket. Too much choice can lead to confusion and anxiety. And if that child wasn't careful, they'd become extremely ill. So who decides our identity? Who decides our identity? When I was growing up as a child, I look back now and I realize I was at least two different people. I had at least two different identities. And probably a lot of us have. At home, I was an extrovert, bullish. I thought I knew everything. I was quite argumentative. I knew I was always right. And I wasn't very good at listening to others. I was overconfident, if you like. And probably, no, definitely, quite unpleasant at times. But then something happened. I passed 11 plus without even realizing that I would actually do that and went to a grammar school. And I was at school, I was an introvert. I was quiet, I was polite. I was very nervous. I was unsure of myself. I didn't have many friends. I thought I did not deserve to be there. And that really lasted until I went to uni. So university, 200 miles from home, I was free to be who I wanted to be, who I decided I could be, but I was still very confused. I still didn't feel that I really fitted in. I didn't feel that I was as academic as most of the people around me. I didn't feel that I truly knew who I was. And yet many of the people around me that I met were really confident and definite about things. So I was letting my surroundings and other people decide my identity and then reacting to them. I wasn't in control, although I wanted to believe that I was. So I decided to explore and I would decide who I wanted to be. It would be my decision. I would make choices for myself. I could become who I wanted to be. Now that's a dangerous idea, but not unusual for young people or even older people to think that's okay. Fortunately, I did not go too far. It wasn't long before I realized that this wasn't as easy as I thought it would be. I had joined different clubs, some of them very political, some helping people less fortunate. I got rejected by several sports teams. I felt very confused and under pressure to still find out what is my true identity? What if I was wrong with the choices I'd already made? What if my ideas were changing all the time and I had to keep making new choices? And that just led to anxiety, pressure, stress. And if we look around us today, that is a true of a lot of people. They feel pressured to do things, to be certain people. They feel anxious because they feel they cannot actually reach those goals and they get stressed and then they just find they have really real issues in life in terms of just living day by day. So what if God knows who I am? Jeremiah says, for I know the plans I have for you. This is God speaking. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. So six months into uni, some of you have told this before, but just very briefly, I was a student, student in year three, knocked on my door, offered to go with me to a meeting about God. So I thought, well, it can't do any harm. I went to the meeting. Canon Michael Green spoke. It was like he was speaking directly to me. There are times in our lives when, if we're listening, God speaks directly to us. Hopefully, quite frequently. I knew that I had to know God in my life. 
I had to invite him in. When I became a Christian, God took control. Suddenly, I seemed to become more confident, more at home with myself. And I was able to get rid of a lot of stuff that I disliked and focus on God who was rebuilding my life. I let God show me the identity he was building in me. Building a new identity so that in him, I was confident of who I was. And so I was accepted by the uh, British Baptist Missionary Society. I left the UK. I traveled thousands of miles to Central Africa to teach in French, in French, teaching French in French, and maths and English and whatever, to work with a local church. Now, I could never have done that without God's intervention. That wasn't me. His help. And all through our lives, God continues to guide us, whether it's taking jobs, whether it's the church we go to, whether it's in family matters, just helping us to walk with him and become the person he wants us to be. Now, I know, Clem knows too, that I'm not perfect yet, but I walk in faith day by day, looking to God to help me to serve him, to help me to become the person he wants me to be. And this is what God does for each of us. He calls us into a relationship with him, into obedience. He knows us best, and he calls us to walk with him side by side as we learn about ourselves and what God desires. And this is a fantastic thing that God shapes us, and he enables us to become a new creation living our lives in Christ. He calls us to be inspired by Jesus, to be loved by Jesus, to learn with Jesus, to grow in Jesus, and to develop the identity that he has for us. So if we know God, then who are we? What is our identity? But it's very simple, really. When we know God, we become his children. His children. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 to 2 says this, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we, we shall see him as he is. We need to grasp the truth in these verses, don't we, each of us? We are children of the Most High. We are not what other people say we are. We're not what other people say we should be. We're not even what we think we should be. We are who God says we are. We are his children. He is our father. Just briefly, we wanted to think about Moses. Moses was somebody who we know quite a lot about, don't we? He had to make choices in his lives. And we know, don't we, that the Hebrew descendants of Joseph, the Israelites, had begun to increase in the land of Egypt. The Pharaoh at that time was worried they would try to take power. We know the story about Moses' mother hiding him in the rushes in the, in the river, probably for around three months, looking after him, hiding him. And then the Pharaoh's daughter finding him and raising him as her son. And he grew up in the Pharaoh's palace, a new identity, a new place, a new family. He could have stayed in the Pharaoh's palace. He could have become very rich and powerful with everything he could wish for. But he saw how God's people were being treated. 
he chose to step in when an Israelite was being beaten. And he killed an Egyptian. And so he had to flee from them. And he lived for many, many years as a shepherd. A new identity. But that wasn't his true identity. That was a learning process for him. God knew his true identity. He called Moses through the burning bush. He declared his new identity. He declared that Moses was the leader of Israel who would deliver God's people from Egypt. I'm sure Moses did not recognize that identity at first. And God was gracious with him as he learned to follow God as his people's leader. It was a role that Moses found really difficult at times, but he managed successfully because God was always with him. God was by his side. God was directing him and leading him. So God knows us from before we were even born. Psalm 139, I love this Psalm 139, because it just shows how much God is involved in our lives from the earliest point. Just let you just read those words just for a second, just to think about what those words are saying. You see what that says to me, and this, this just stuns me really, but what it says to me is that God has a purpose for each of his people, for each of us. He knows our true identity in him. He wants to bless us. He wants to guide us. He wants to enable us to serve him day by day. That's why he was there at the very beginning when we were formed. He has a purpose. What is God saying to me, to you, about our calling about our journey, about our purpose in life. What plans does God have for you? What is he calling you to? Over the next few weeks, we're looking at several areas about walking with God in terms of gender, sexuality, diversity in race, big issues. Because we believe that God has a lot to say about who we are. God has a lot to say about how we should be living as his people. We can think that we need to know exactly what God is planning for us now. Sometimes we get really impatient. I want to know what you want, God. I want to know what I'm doing. Show me, Lord, what I'm going to be doing over the next day, week, months, years. But God reveals to us as much as we can manage. And that's often little by little. It's not because he doesn't want to show us, it's because he knows what we can cope with. He knows we cannot cope with everything he has in store for us all at once. So his plans are revealed step by step as we keep our eyes fixed on him, as we walk with him. And this is the important thing, isn't it? That he leads and we follow. God has a purpose for each of us. God knows who we are. He also knows what he has in store for us. So how do we discover our identity in God? So Matthew 22, <clears throat> verse 36 to 40 says, and this was Jesus being spoken to and his response. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So if we want to know God's purpose for each of us as individuals and as a church, 
we need to look into God's word. Because that gives us our primary purpose in life. To love the Lord your God with all of our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind. Now that's an amazing purpose for you and I. To recognize God in all that we do and to love him above everything else around us to put him first. For his plans are brilliant, aren't they? They are far greater than we could ever imagine. And God will utilize our talents, our strengths, our passions for his glory. And he will help us to overcome rejection, despair, and confusion. As we fix our eyes upon Jesus, we recognize that he alone is the essence of love. And we can rely upon him in all circumstances. He renews our mind. We become more than conquerors in Christ. God changes our thinking. He changes our inner being. He brings us into an unbelievable relationship with him. So that's what I would say. We find our true identity in Christ. And that's where we find security. And that's what makes us feel safe. Because our identity in Christ is secure. Unchanging in essence, but still developing in his truth. In God's grace, we are released from pressure. Whether that's external pressure, whether we feel sometimes in terms of who we should be or who we are or internal pressure even. We are set free from stress and insecurity because we can exist through God's pure and eternal love that's always available and never lets us down. God gives us a lasting sense of our true worth and our true value. As you saw in Psalm 139, he created us, so he knows who we are. He knows how to shape us. He knows who, will become, who we will become in him as we walk with him. But we need to stay focused on God. We need to trust him as he leads us. So we need to seek his plans day by day and hold fast. We mustn't allow anyone or anything to distract us and divert us from God's path, from walking with him. We know, don't we, when we have a slight fall, or we step out of God's path, and suddenly God calls us back because he knows what is best for us. So we need to listen and be prepared to be obedient. So let's remember, we are not what people say we are. We are who God says we are. Follow the Lord because he is real, and he has the best in store for us. He has not ever let us down, and he never will let us down. And remember, we are joint heirs with Christ. So just a verse, just to hold on to, and perhaps this is something we can focus on over the next few days. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your path. The only one we can trust with all of our heart is God Almighty. Unfortunately, everyone who's around us, however we might love them, sometimes they will let us down, even if they don't mean to. God never lets us down because he is perfect. 
So let's ask God just to help us to recognize who he is and recognize how we can walk with him in freedom day by day. Let's just pray. Father God, we are so grateful that you are in control. We are so grateful that we can reach out to you at any time because you are always there for us. We are so grateful that we don't have to follow the ways of the world, but we can choose to walk with you and be close to you. Thank you that you know us better than anybody's ever known us. Thank you that you know how to challenge us, how to encourage us. You know when we need to be taken down a step or two. You know when we need to be encouraged and move forwards. Lord, you know everything about us because you have made us. We thank you for that. We ask, Lord, that we would have listening ears and a receptive heart, Lord, so that we can truly walk with you, know your presence, know your guidance, and know your essential love in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Mason, over to you. Wonderful. Thank you, Rob. I wonder if the band could uh, come up. And Sandy, could we just put that last slide back up on the screen, please? The Proverbs. Thank you for being with us today. Um, the, if, is the Proverbs one there at all? We're going to spend a moment just responding uh, through singing a song. And uh, I want to encourage us during this time... Actually, if you want prayer that you're going, I just, I feel like I'm finding my identity in something else. I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling to trust in the Lord with all my heart in this. I want to encourage us to turn to someone next to us. Maybe hopefully you know them or uh, someone that you trust. Maybe your life group leader and say, can you pray for me in this moment? If you don't know anyone or you'd like someone to pray for you, feel free to come down the front. We'll find someone who uh, can gather to pray with you. But in this moment, let's find time and pause to say, God, I want to trust you with all things. I want to trust in you. I want to find my identity fully in you. It's not going to come up. I'm going to have to do it from memory. Rob, can you do it from memory? Is it up there? Oh, it came up. Sorry, Sandy. I just found it was a really helpful verse. Ah, Rob's got it for me. Great. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. Just hear that again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Let's stand to our feet. Please feel free to find someone to pray with you. Or if you feel like you just, I just want to pray for this person. I just want to pray alongside you to trust in God in this situation that you know about. Go for it. We don't mind a little bit of chaos. Christine's going to lead us. We're going to sing, Who Am I That the Highest King Would Welcome Me? Um, Please Go On Ahead. That is if you're not praying. But he brought me in for me. 
chosen. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. I am chosen. I am chosen, not forsaken. stay standing a moment. I feel like we can't rush on from this because the Father actually does want to set some people free this morning from things where we found our identity. And uh, just a, a number of things stirring in me where I think the Father wants to highlight where we found our identity. And uh, so I'm just going to mention them. If, if, if they fit for you, please get somebody to pray with you. So I think one of them is wealth. You've found your identity in your wealth. Not that you are wealthy, but in your relative wealth, that's where you find your identity. In the possessions you have, in the status you have in community. Because for somebody else here, it's your hurt and your pain where you're finding your identity. And the Father wants to come and free you from that hurt and pain. To bring healing from that hurt and pain that you can find your identity in him rather than, well, I'm a victim of this. For somebody else or some other people, 
It's in your lack of health. It's in your illness. You're finding identity. You don't understand me. I, I, I've got this. It defines me. And the Father says, no, he gives you grace to cope with that. But your identity is to be in him. And there's a call to repentance in these things. Going, God, I don't want to find my identity in these any longer. I want to walk free. Help us, Lord. These are massive. They control our lives. We recognize they can control our lives. Help us to walk free from these things, Lord Jesus. Give us your grace to walk free from them. Help us to find our identity in you, to make that trust in you decision, to put our trust in you for our identity. I ask, and even now, help us, Lord, to get others to pray with us, to not just walk away from here and go, that was nice, but to meet with you in this. I believe the Father even now is stirring other things, things I've not mentioned, but he's stirring them in our hearts. It's causing us to want to go, oh, <laughs> what about that? Sporting prowess, career, car, home, all sorts of stuff going on here. Not just the obvious ones. And the Father's inviting us, inviting us to lay down those things where we've found our identity. He's not going to force it. He doesn't force. He's inviting you. Now, are you going to respond to that invitation today? Clem also felt strongly that there was like oppression within people. You feel oppressed. If you do, if that's you, again, pray with someone near you. Come and pray with Clem at the front here. With one of the leaders, there are people here who can pray. She also feels strongly that there's somebody with a really bad headache, a really bad headache here. If that's you, again, I'd encourage you to come to Clem, who's sitting in the front here with Rob, and get prayer. Just one thing I've got to finish with. I've got to make one uh, announcement. Today, for each of you, there's a free gift. Um, as you leave, by either door, a book by Tear Fund called Open for Lent. If you'd like the book, it's da daily prayers and readings. If you'd like one, you can take one as you leave. For those who are more electronic, <laughs> you can, if you wish, get it, get the same thing via daily email from Tear Fund. There's no cost, there's no charge for these books, there's no charge if you go online. If you go to their website, tearfund.org, it's very clear. If you can't find it, come to Nathan or me and we'll give you a link to get it. But for those electronic, you can get it. starts this Wednesday by email each day. So as we close now, please don't let this time go. Those who have been spoken to by God, you feel God speaking to you now, seek somebody to pray with you. You can come to the front, somebody you know, somebody close to you with those specific things that Clem had, please feel free to come and pray with her. But I would encourage you, 
please don't leave till if there's something on your mind, on your heart, please don't leave. Get it sorted. Now's the time. You can feel it. Now is the time to get it sorted. So God, I just pray as we come to this, the close of this part of the sermon, of the service, I pray, Father, that you'll bless each and every one of us this morning, and especially those you are speaking to. I would encourage, Lord, encourage them. Give them the courage, the bravery, whatever it takes to sort themselves at this time, because we ask it in your name. Amen. Amen. Tea and coffee is being served. I would encourage you, from in, in light of people wanting to pray, be conscious of that and maybe leave them quietly and go outside and get tea and coffee. Thank you.